We're in a series called Heart Disease, and what we've been talking about are five areas in our heart that if we don't get these things taken care of, that they're going to end up, over time, destroying us. And so we, um, our first uh, uh, week, we talked about um, guilt, and we said that uh, the, if you want to get rid of guilt, confession, the remedy for guilt is confession. And what we talked about was there's different kinds of guilt. We had red bricks up here and we had green bricks up here. And we talked about the fact that um, we have this backpack called our conscience. And for some of us, we've been carrying around guilt for years and years and years. And there's, there's this guilt that God gives us. We call it conviction that's actually really healthy to have. If you're in a relationship you're not supposed to be in or you're, 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 you're kind of maintaining your life in a way that's, that God has deemed unhealthy, he gives you kind of this guilt to get you to change, to get your attention. And so we talked about those being the green bricks, that we want to feel that guilt so that we'll know that we can confess it and be done with it. But there's this other guilt that we put on each other, maybe for missed expectations, or maybe we put it on ourselves for we thought we were going to be a doctor and we ended up not being a doctor. And we have this guilt that we ruined our 20s or we have guilt about what we did in college and all this stuff that we've put on ourselves, that we've put on each other, that we've been carrying around for years. And what God wants us to do is open it up and take a look at it and keep the conviction that he's putting on us and get rid of that stuff that we're carrying around. So we talked about uh, that and guilt. And the second thing we talked about was anxiety. And we, we talked about, we had the bricks back up here again, and we said that, the, you know, the red bricks, we said to be anxious for nothing, like nothing, not your retirement, not the tingling in your left arm and the tightness in your chest, not the, I mean, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God so we can get that peace of God which surpasses comprehension. And so we, we, we talked about the fact that um, every anxious thought is a call to prayer. Every, everything of like, man, what am I gonna do about that? It's a call to prayer. Go to your heavenly father. Go to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And so we we talked about anxiety, and then we talked about bitterness, and we talked about the fact that this bitterness, if we leave it unchecked, if we just let it kind of take root, uh, it will end up just completely killing us. And we talked about the fact that people can never pay for what they've done to us because there's no way to assign value to it, and the more angry we get and the more bitter we get, the more we've said they've hurt us. And in, in doing so, we've actually made their injury to us worse because we keep going over it again and again and again. And we talked about the fact that, you know, to keep a tally of the wrong is impossible, and so, you know, you do something to me and that's 50 negative points and then uh, you did something else and that's 20 and then you apologize for the one, but I didn't really think you meant it, so that's only half off. And okay, this whole long thing and this big number at the end, it's impossible. So what we said was that forgiveness sets me free, me free, not just the person that offended it, me. And our, our, our fear is that we're gonna let somebody off the hook and then they're gonna do it again or whatever. But in fact... What God shows us is that forgiveness sets us free from having to worry about the tally, having to worry about when they're going to pay back, having to worry about all that kind of stuff. It sets us free. And so that's what we talked about this morning. We're going to talk about greed. And, uh, you know, when you live in America, you know, greed is something that's constantly coming up because we're the wealthiest country in the, in the world. 
And greed has been in the news, as you kind of see uh, right now, you know, California, do, do, we, do we tax millionaires and all this kind of stuff? And what do we do about corporate loopholes and all this kind of stuff? Because there's something in all of us that has this feeling that there should be a level that's just enough. And so if someone makes a billion dollars, well, that's way too much. And then if someone makes 250 million, that, and the, the problem is we all have our own limit of what we think is too much. And we all have our limit of what we think is too little. And so uh, you get uh, stuff like, um, like this, uh, uh, you know, uh, Occupy Wall Street or Occupy whatever. I, I, could, I lost count after the like 60th Occupy whatever. I, I occupied yogurt land that was cool uh and 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 all this kind of stuff but there's this sense then the the whole theory behind the occupy wall street thing is you know how come one percent of the people get control of 80 percent of the money or or whatever and and you might you might be you might have been in a you know that might be you i don't know but uh, i did find this humorous there was this thing this was um i was online and that's a bumper sticker you can buy for three dollars which i just found humorous that that there's now a cottage industry of occupy wall street stuff um so i just i just left it at this one uh uh, i i i am that's two percent so i I mean that's the thing it's like it's like how much is too much and and, and, and what's going on? And, 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 and if you took a poll right now in California and you said, should we tax the rich? Almost everybody says, yes, we should. But the next question out of their mouth, which is the next question that's probably in your mind is, what do you mean by rich? <laughs> right, you know, like, like and, and what we want to hear is a number we know we'll never get to because then we're like, yeah, tax them, you know, because, but if it's too close or, or if it's a place where we think we might get, you know, then it's like, well, I don't know, you know, they, the rich really help our, in, you know, they help create jobs and stuff. We don't go crazy. You, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just, we, we, we get into this because we all have these, these limits and these things in our mind of what is too little and what is too much. And the problem is for all of us, it changes even in our own lives, what I thought was too much when I got out of college is not enough now, right? When, I mean, when I got out of college, if you told me I would be making what I'm making and, like, and not, you know, driving around in a Beamer, I'd be like, what's the worst? I could, and that's the whole thing. Well, if I had it, if I were in control of it, I could live on way less. And we all have our, our figure that's of what's too little, you know, and we think and we, we look and sometimes I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I hear stories about families that are making it on a certain amount. And I'm like, how do they do that? That's impossible. Do they eat? Like, do they have any clothes on? Like, are they hiding somewhere? Are they, I, I, and, and that's the thing. And, and the problem is it, it's different for all of us and it changes for all of us in our lives. And so what, what do we do? How do we how do we get past it? One of the things that Jesus talks quite a bit about and the Bible talks quite a bit about is money. And anytime a pastor gets up and starts talking about money, uh, a bunch of different things happen. If you're new here and you're like, I'm finally going to try <laughs> church. I'm finally going to go back to church again. And then the guy's talking about money. You're like, I knew it, right? Well, you weren't going to come back anyway. But the point is, <laughs> like, like, like money is just... Because money is so much a part of our culture. 
It's everywhere. It, it's everything. Money, what? Makes the world go around, right? And so we're always thinking about how we can save more of it, make more of it, get more of it. What Can I get that new promotion? And we're always trying to inch up farther and farther and farther and farther. As a matter of fact, our next series is going to be a series on work. Why do we work? What do we, what, you know, what, what, what does it mean to get a promotion? What are we supposed to do at work? Why do we wake up in the morning? What's the theology, really, of work? Because there is a theology of work. Well, Jesus um, kind of talked to us a bit about this, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. Somebody interrupts Jesus or asks him a question while he's, while he's walking around teaching. And then, um, and then he tells a parable that goes over this idea of money. And then later on in Luke chapter 12, he says something totally life transforming that if we could get it, if we could kind of understand it, it would change our life. And then at the very end, I'll tell you um, kind of something that we can do. But in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, it says this, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around uh, a death in a family. I, I do that for a living. And um, it is really amazing to watch what happens to a family after a death because you, you get a ton of grief in some situations. You get kind of like, well, we knew it was coming or whatever. But if there's money, wow, watch out. It'll take the best families because once, once the person dies, it seems like the, where the money goes is more paramount than celebrating their life. And they want, especially if they have lots of money, then it's like, okay, you know, kind of waiting for the lawyer to call up, you know, and hey, where is it going? And in some families, when they know the time of death is coming, they start changing their relationship with that person in order to get on the receiving end. This is exactly what's going on, okay? The brother says to Jesus, because this is right on his heart, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. This isn't fair. He already maybe has too much, or um, I, dad told me that I was going to get, and if I don't get this, but I was counting on this inheritance. You know, you, you, you've, seen it, you've seen it all the way around. So here's what Jesus says. First of all, he says, man, I just love that because it means something different for us now, um, but it's just cool that he's like, man, who appointed me, you know, dude. Okay, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? This is so key when, as we look into kind of where we're going. It's almost like Jesus is going, I, I don't care about your inheritance. What are, you ta- what are you asking me for? What do I care if you got half the inheritance or not? Like, Jesus is God. Why can't he just go, you know, hold on, let me gather all the facts. Okay, now I'm done. Here's what you should do. And like, give him like the perfect the answer. Like, go tell your brother, you give him, you get $4,000. That's fair. And he's like, well, but, yeah, but you stole that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, good, right? Like, it's, it's like, Jesus could answer this question if we were looking for fair. But there is no fair. Because it changes all the time. Jesus says, who made me arbiter uh, over you? Now, l- listen to what he says after this. Now he said to them, now he's turning to everybody else. He's going to use this poor guy as an example for everybody. You never want to be used as an example uh, by Jesus. Okay, he says this. Then he said, um, Jesus, uh, he said to them, watch out. 
Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Be really careful. Now, this word greed, when we look at it, we kind of think uh, like Ebenezer Scrooge, like the person who gets all this money and hoards it and never gives out any to anybody. Or, you know, when you're, when you're you know, going down the street and you see the homeless guy in the corner with a sign, you yell out, get a job. Like, like that's how you kind of figure, like greedy people, they don't have a heart. Um, they never give any of their money away. And I'm not greedy because I'm not that guy or that lady. But that's not the word for greedy. Jesus used the word covetous. Don't spend your life chasing after things. Be careful. Be really careful that you aren't looking and, oh, ooh, 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 ooh. I'll give you an example. I've walked into Home Depot not needing anything at all. I didn't even have a project I just was happened to be by Home Depot, and I'm like, oh, hey, who, who just walks into Home Depot, and you don't even have a project? But my thought was, because uh, the heart is exceedingly wicked, who can know it? My thought was, well, maybe I'll be reminded of, of, of a, a thing I was supposed to do. So I walked down every aisle trying to see if I needed anything, and it turns out I did. I needed a lot of stuff. And it was all new and shiny and had power cords and could shoot stuff and, and tear stuff up and go get stuff. And all of a sudden, I'll find myself at a place, at a store, Home Depot, the Apple Store, whatever, where I find myself needing something I didn't even know was manufactured yet. And I saw it and went, oh, that is nice. Honey, <laughs> Come here, right? You know what Jesus says? Watch out, be careful. That is a heart disease problem that if left unchecked, it, it, listen, it'll never, ever stop. You cannot buy your way out of greed. You can't buy your way into enough stuff to where you're satisfied. And so Jesus says this, he says, watch out, be on the alert for all kinds of greed. It doesn't matter what, you know, you think, wow, I don't, all kinds, there's all sorts of greed. Look in, look in your own life and think, do I need the upgrade? You know, are these really worn out? You know, do I really need the bigger one? This is what Jesus is saying. Watch out, watch out for this. I don't know what the guy's doing right now. He's probably like, oh, okay, you know, see you, Jesus, thanks. That really helped me a lot. And then he goes on. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, I know this. You know this, right? You know that things don't satisfy. You, you know that after you buy something, two weeks later, you, you want something else. You know the feeling of when you, you save up and save up and save up and all, the thing you want, it has to have all these criteria and finally it does and you're just so excited and you go and buy it and then two weeks later, something new comes out and you feel cheated, like you feel like you lost out. They tricked you, right? That, that sense of like, it'll never, we know that. But Jesus, if we know it, why, aren't, why don't we do it? Because Jesus knows when this little thing of greed of, I need this, I want this. Oh, this, this one looks a lot nicer. And oh, why did I buy that? He knows when that gets a hold of your heart, you're gonna be in trouble. I'm gonna be in trouble. 
So he says, your life is not about things. Watch out that you get caught up in stuff that doesn't mean anything. Then he tells this story. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. What produced a good crop? Not the man, the ground. All the man did was plant some stuff. He didn't make it grow. He didn't design the seeds. All of a sudden, this man finds himself through no real act of his own. The ground just happened to have the nutrients it needed at that point to bless him. And he says, rich man, uh, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is the first sign of how greed begins to take a hold of us. We begin to think that it's actually ours. And it's not. Now, if I were to, if I were to poll the, the group of you and I were to say, who, who provides all your stuff for you? You would, because you're very good Christian people, you'd say God, because we're in church and, and, and you have to say God or Jesus. It's the answer to every question, right? God provides all my stuff and you'd be right and you actually believe it and I actually believe it. Why then do I feel the need to work and work and work and connive and scheme and to get just a few things more. If I believe, truly believe that God provides all my needs and provides everything for me, why do I have this need? Now, now, now that I'm a pastor, it's different than when I was in business. When I was in business, I actually could do something, right? But, but, but what, what was that? Why would I get to work? I know God provides all my needs, but if I got that phone call, my heart would sink. And, oh man, if we lose this account, oh man. And then I got the thing and I, we were just about to pay for this. And I, what is that? This man said, this, the ground, God produced this stuff for this guy. And he thought to himself, well, it's mine. And then he said, this is what I will do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And then he kind of goes a little psycho. He says, I'll say to myself, like who plans on talking to themselves? But anyway, he says, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You know what that sounds a lot like to me? retirement you know like isn't this kind of okay i mean we're not in an agricultural society so maybe you know maybe you have a garden or whatever but but let's just say you get like a just a killer promotion you become vp of of money or something right and you're just like totally it's just like it's you you, you're you got it now and you start thinking you know if this keeps up i can retire Justine, are you okay? Okay. <laughs> you, you, right? You say, I, oh, if this keeps up, and you start doing the math. If this happens, I can retire at this age. I can, we can. You start looking at retirement, uh, like, like condos. You start looking at all this, right? Because all of a sudden you go, when that happens, my kingdom will be at rest. 
That's really what we say about retirement. And we add, and then I can have so much more time for the Lord, right? We kind of kick that in because, you know, really, that's, that's it. But honestly, whose kingdom are we building when we're looking after this, 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 and this? Thinking about retirement, thinking about if I get this promotion, worrying and going on and on and on about this stuff with money. So he says, I'll retire. I'll take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then I'll, 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 then I'll finally run a small group. And then he says, in Luke uh, 12, 20, he says, but God said to him, hey, dummy. Hey, you fool. Listen to what, this is God that says that. You can't, he says, to, he says John, you can't focus on your kingdom you don't know how long your kingdom's going to last. You might save and save and save, and you may never go out to eat, and you may pile up. You might be the most unbelievable, you know, financial guru ever and die at 46. He says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. You didn't even get a chance to start planning the building project. You just thought of it. And now you're dead. Ah, I think I'll build a... Oh, there we go. Huh? Hey, hey good, congratulations. And right after, God blessed him with this big crop of stuff. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for? Keyword, yourself. This is a parable about us being overly concerned with our own kingdom. And Jesus says, watch out. Be careful. Watch out. Now, listen, I don't have time to get into all the obvious things. Do we care about money? Yes, of course we care about money. Can you buy an iPhone? I hope so, okay? Uh, you know, it, it, there is it. So where do, we, where do we draw the line? What's too much? What's too little? Where do we go? Well, Jesus continues on talking about this kind of idea of the kingdom until he gets to... Um, Luke 12, verse 32. And, and he, what he does, it's so cool. He gets to the real core of why we build our own kingdom in the first place. Now, you think, well, I'm just trying to be a good steward with my money. Okay, fine, maybe, maybe. He gets to the core of why we like to buy things, why we look at things, why we think the next thing will satisfy, why we think if we had an extra $2,000, $4,000, $10,000, $100,000 that everything would then be okay. He gets to the core of why we think retirement is going to be the end all. He gets to the core of it. He says this, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. When retirement comes, it's going to come. Now, he doesn't say, don't, you know, go ahead and be stupid with your money and, you know, ah, who cares? I, you know, God's taking care of me. He, remember what we talked about a few weeks ago? God didn't call us to kingship. He called us to stewardship, right? And so God granted, even in the parable, even though Jesus made up the story, God granted that rich guy crops for a reason. It wasn't just that for him to just go, well, you know, what are you going to do? God had something in mind. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. Now, this is so amazing. For your heavenly, f your, your father has been pleased 
to give you the kingdom. So here's what he's saying. Don't worry about building up your own kingdom. Worry about building up God's and he'll give you that kingdom. See, if we can kind of say not, Jesus said it this way, not my will, okay, not my kingdom, but your kingdom be done in my life. He, he said it this way. Um, uh, we, we pray, uh, not, my, uh, not my will, but your will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven, right? On earth, in my kingdom, I want you to take control of my kingdom. And Jesus says, don't be afraid to do that. But isn't it scary? <laughs> I mean, when it comes right down to it, isn't it scary to sometimes make financial decisions based on a kingdom that's not your own? You start thinking, well, what if, what if, I, what if I start giving consistently and sacrificially and I, don't, I can't make my rent payment? What if, what if I, what if I begin something and I can't, that is exactly where your heavenly father wants you. He says this, he says, don't be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Sell my possessions and give it to the poor. I hate that verse. I don't want to do that. Is, that. is that the crux of what he's saying? Is he really telling you to sell all your possessions and give to the poor? He may be. That's the scary part. You might be sitting there and the Holy Spirit might be going, dude, I, you are not living the life. I want you on the mission field, dude. He's been saying it over and over and over and over and over and over. And you hear a verse like this and you're like, no. For most of us, though, this isn't what he's saying. What he's saying is, would you, for once, maybe, begin to think that those possessions are not your own? Would you, for once, begin to think that maybe the ground produced that crop for you? Would you begin to think that maybe once that God is concerned about your finances and that he wants a stake in them? And he might demand from you some things that you don't want demanded from you. Well, once we talk in terms of that, we're learning things about ourselves and how we respond to that. He says, sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Remember when Jesus said, don't be afraid, he's going to give you the kingdom. It'll never end. It, it, can't, it can't hurt you. It can't harm you. All it can do is benefit you. But it's going to cost you the focus on your kingdom where no thief comes, no moth can destroy. And then he just says, really, the, the, whole, the whole point of it. The whole point of the whole sermon, the whole point of this whole thing he was talking to the guy, because this is really what it comes down to. This is really the warning for us. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You put your money where your heart is. <laughs> really, I mean, kind of a stupid way to say it. But I, I've, I have seen this played out in my own life a million times. If anyone's ever bought a stock, 
of any value or invested in anything, like every day you're online checking to see if it went up one tick, two ticks, whatever, if it went down, and your life gets better or worse based on what that number is, that's putting your heart, that's, that's, your, um, that's your heart being where your treasure is. That's exactly what that is. I don't know if you've ever bought something and you bought it and it was supposed to be great and then you had to protect it. You know, you might have bought something and then all of a sudden you thought, you know, we need to get, a, we need to get an alarm system. I mean, because you're worried about it all the time. Maybe it's parked in the driveway and you're thinking, oh, I don't know. Let's clean out the garage. You know, we got to get it into the garage. Or, or you don't want it scuffed or you don't want it ripped or you don't want it whatever. That's your treasure, your heart being where your treasure is. The same thing goes with the kingdom of God. If your treasure, if you have nothing vested in it, it's going to be very difficult for your heart to be there. This is exactly why our board members, we require all our board members at this church to tithe because they're responsible for the finances of the church. And they, we go through every month and we look at them and we make decisions and all this kind of stuff. Well, if, if, if we're not, and me as a pastor, if we're not vested in the church, if my, if my heart is not, then my heart's not in it. Even if I work 70 hours a week, if I'm not giving to my own church, if my money is not there, my heart will not be in it. And this is just a rule of the kingdom. It, so, so, so this is why when I talk about money or talk about giving, I, it doesn't bother me because I think we, this is, sets us free. As a matter of fact, a point I have in here is giving conquers greed. That whole thing of do, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. If you become a generous person, if you become a giver, a lot of this stuff goes away because in giving, you've already had to make those decisions. See, what ends up happening is this. And, 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 and I, I believe the best principle in scripture for greed and all this stuff is the tithe. I just do. 10% of God's money goes back to God and he gives you 90% to do with it whatever you want. Not whatever you want, but to a certain extent. It's the fairest. <laughs> like, what could be more? I'm going to give you $1,000. Oh, man, thanks. But I need 100 of it back, and you can have the extra 900. What? Cheapskate. <laughs> but I just gave you $1,000. Yeah, right. You just, oh, you just want my money. No, I want my money. I gave you my money. Now I want 100 back. Would you like another 1000 Yeah. Okay. Come on, keep, no, I'm kidding, okay? That was a, that was a bad pastor joke. But, but see, here's the thing. This is what happens to us. Because of fear, either fear that the church is gonna steal it and I'm gonna get a toupee and I'm gonna drive around a convertible or the fear that it might not come back. Or, and so what happens is doctrines begin to arise that go, oh, if you give, uh, he's gonna give you 10 times more. He may not give you 10 times more. He might just take your 10% and say, I want you to deal with that. Because you've got a spending problem. See, what happens in the tithe is that as I begin to be, get this a regular part of my life, I begin to have to make decisions. And this is where the fear comes in. You mean if I give 10%, that means I'm going to have to stop. That means that I might not be able to. That means that these shoes are going to have... Exactly. That's exactly where God wants us. 
And this is why giving, once we get into this habit, it conquers greed. Now, listen, you might be sitting there going, there's no way, if you knew how much I made, there's no way I could afford 10%. Or you're going, if you knew how much I made, there ain't no much, I'm not giving you that much. <laughs> okay, I make a lot and I, I'm not writing you a big check for that. Fine, fine, whatever, whatever. But please, please, please do me a favor. Please. Teach your children to tithe. Teach them, release them from the burden that plagues this generation, that plagues the baby boomer generation. Teach them to tithe. Here's what I know. A kid who begins tithing early, it it never affects, they don't, it, it just becomes a discipline in their life. They don't get to the point where they're making fifty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Going, man, that's eight thousand. It's been part of their life. You've trained them. Listen, what you've done for your children or your grandchildren or whatever. You've released them from the bondage of greed for the rest of their life. There is something I don't know what it is that happens with people who tithe. They are released. You know what? You know, here's what I find, and, and this is not scriptural. I'm not going to try and go into it, but but just in in the 20 years I've been around ministry, I have found that the majority of people who don't tithe rarely are doing well financially. Not, listen to me, not because God's withholding something from them and going, you know, if you give 10%, I'll give you 10 times more. It's because there's there's something in them that does not have control self-control over their finances. They're trying to control. They're trying to get things to satisfy. This has just been my observation. I rarely find non-tithers that are really in a great place financially. The other thing I find is I very rarely, I've never found a tither that regrets putting that as part of their discipline. I've yet to meet somebody. And please tell me if if that's you, I I wanna know. I've never met anybody like that. Almost, well, to the man and to the woman, the stories I get are, you'll never guess what happened. You'll never guess what happened. And we sat there and we said, I don't know how we're gonna make it. I don't know what we're gonna do. And God moved in their marriage. God moved in their relationship. Some people had to cut back. Like it's the best thing I ever did. Money has no hold on me anymore. My faith and my trust is in the kingdom that God is establishing. So here's the other thing. If you think I made this whole sermon up just for us to get money because the air conditioner's broke and everybody's hot, okay? (laughs) Right? Go somewhere else and give. Find a place you really trust, that you really feel like, man, I want to invest in the kingdom of God here and then be obedient there. Just just try it. Do it. God is not going to leave you hanging. Now, as the worship band returns, I just want to read one other thing. And I know this was kind of a harsh lesson uh, when we talk about which kingdom are building. And, and I, will, I will be t- absolutely honest with you. I, you know, God kicked my butt during the week too. Um, and so, you know, uh, it, you know it, it's, it's not like, I'm, I'm not trying to just preach to, at you guys that God was working with me. But listen to this verse, it's just so brutal, man. I just had to end with it to just let you guys off on just a happy note. Um, uh, when you ask, do not re- you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Man, 
Just take a big black marker and just cross that out of your Bible. <laughs> right? How, how much different would we be as a church, would you be as a family, if, if, if the focus of your finances in your home was God first? If from the time your kids were just tiny and they made their first $10, you taught them, you instilled in them to break the curse of money that's on the baby boomer generation. You said, listen, Timmy, or whatever your kid's name is, listen, we're going to take a dollar of that $10 and we're going to put it in this box called tithe because God blessed you with that $10 and you're going to give it back to him. Now, you're going to get Timmy going, what? He didn't give it to me. I washed a car for this. Don't you, wouldn't you rather have that conversation at 10, 11, and 12 years old than having to deal with it at 50? We have to teach the next generation. 